Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Welcome back to Work Human Radio. I am your host, Todd Schneck, joined by my friend and colleague, Mike Wood. This is going to be a fun conversation. We're going to learn about some interesting things here. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I'm secretly a data nerd, and I feel comfortable in this space to let you know that I love data and I nerd out about it. So I have a couple researchers here. We have Greg Stevens from the Work Human Analytics and Research Institute. What's your title? Analytics Manager. Although it changes on a daily basis. <laughs> just depends what I'm doing. new, yes. And would you like to introduce your colleague here? I'd love to. So I'm joined by Madison Beard, and she's with Cisco. She's a lead data scientist and researcher there. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for having me. There is so much brain power in this room on your side. So I'm amazed. Can you tell me just kind of like just basically what do you two do in your roles at the Research Institute and with Cisco? Sure. So I can start off. At the Research Institute, we focus on being a center of excellence for people analytics, taking data that's generated by HR systems and converting that into insights that managers and HR leaders can then use to make organizations better. And I know, Madison, if you'd like to speak about your role at Cisco as well. Sure. So I'm a, on a teeny but powerful team <laughs> called Team Analytics and Research. So what we do is we study what makes teams great and what makes leaders great at Cisco. And then we try to make more of that. So we are one of the people analytics teams. We are in charge of employee listening. So we do all of our employee engagement surveys and things like that. And we combine a bunch of different data sources in order to answer really relevant, simple, actionable business problems for all global Cisco. Fantastic. Now, Cisco is a client of WorkHuman. And as part of that, you have access to our research team. What have you guys been looking at in terms of the data that Cisco has? So it's been a great chance for us to collaborate. I think any time as a people analytics lead at WorkHuman, to talk with folks at our client companies about what they're researching. And I know I think that one of the most interesting things about Cisco is the interdisciplinary nature of their analytics function, focused on leadership and team intelligence. So I was really curious, and Madison and I were talking about this earlier, how that interdisciplinary approach can really benefit the work that you all do from an analytics standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I have a background in industrial and organizational psychology, as does Greg. But our team has all kinds of wonderful skill sets. So we have this wonderful statistician that's great at sampling and doing all the weighting and everything that we need to do with statistics. We have a data scientist that has predictive analytic background. And we have a person who came from the business analytics space, who's also super brilliant and a geeky data scientist as well. We also have a whole team that does natural language processing, which is a great supplement to our quants. We have kind of quants and then the nerds that look at the words. What are quants? Yep. So uh, a <laughs> quant is someone who's really focused on the numbers side of things. Okay. So, oh, quantities. Yeah. <laughs> 
quantitative and qualitative data. Well, you have your own slang. I yeah, didn't we do. We have a lot of nerd slang. <laughs> and, Madison, um, Madison, we're just yeah. radio guys. That's all we are. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't already figured that out. Yeah, that's great. So one of the great power in combining quants and qualitative data is that not only you can see what's going on, so how people feel about what's going on at Cisco, but also get into the mindset of what people are saying about that. So you can combine these two sources of data to really try to understand why, the why behind what's going on with the numbers. So, Well, what's been the most surprising thing that you've seen from looking at this data? Well, like I said, what we do is we combine a bunch of different data sources from across Cisco HR. So we own just one slice of the types of people data that we have access to, right? So we really focus on partnering with our stakeholders within Cisco to answer all kinds of business problems like attrition, for example. So why are people leaving? Who's leaving? At what rates? Things like that. Specifically with our connected recognition data, we worked with our Comp and Bin team, our program and connected recognition, which is what we call our work humans, excuse me, program. <laughs> and we use that data to recognize people internally. And we were curious about, does that recognition program actually drive and have a relationship with the way people are saying that they feel recognized on their teams? So we went in with this curiosity and we partnered really closely with the program managers there to understand how do we best use the connected recognition dollars that we have so that we can have the biggest amount of impact for the most amount of people at Cisco because we want everyone to feel recognized for good work. So what we did is we partner with them. We put all of our data together, mixed it around, as you do. No, you know, we did an analysis <laughs> to, to really understand how to best use it. And we found a lot of the things that work human says, which is frequency is important. And the partnership is really important in order to understand how to drive the business forward and how to best use Cisco's resources. Yeah, and I think to reiterate something that Madison said, finding that early stakeholder engagement of what is the burning question that you want to answer with the data? Because I think too, we have a powerhouse team and it's easy to want to look at everything. You want to find answers to every possible question because you've got so much rich data. So the challenge is really prioritizing the asks that come in and leveraging your resources to the best of their abilities and specialties, especially when you have quants and qualitative people. <laughs> and quals. And true. quals. Um, quants and quals. So one of the things that we found as well with our research institute is starting with the why. You know, why do we want to ask these questions? Simon Sinek would love that. <laughs> and I think I picked that up last year, maybe, at one of <laughs> yeah. these, uh, these events. So starting with that question and then letting that guide kind of the mobilization of, of resources. So Madison, thinking about that process of how the superpowers come together on the team to come around that question, right. tell us a little bit about how that works at Cisco. Yeah, that's a great question. There are always tons and tons of curiosities that we have, right? The question is, how should we spend our finite resources of brain power on the team to make the biggest impact? Again, start with the why and make sure that any little questions that you have, that you have the sources of data. So to answer them. Yeah, Greg, let me ask you a question. I get this idea that you have mounds of data and it's really impactful for you to say, I want to understand exactly what I'm trying to better understand to make a more informed decision or make an important change as a result of the results of this data. I get that, that having a clearly defined target can really help you figure out what you need to know. Yep. But I also want to understand, I mean, sometimes, to use a cliche, you don't know what we don't know. 
how are we doing as an industry and in business as, all right, how can we use the data to uncover things that we aren't predicting, aren't expecting yeah. that yield results where you say, whoa, I didn't, we didn't know this. <laughs> and you're not looking for it, but that you find something and that you're like, wait a minute, this is game changing and can really have, how do you do that? I mean, are we doing better at that? Walk us through that. Yeah, I think we are doing better, particularly as we get more and more of the interdisciplinary teams yeah. that Madison yeah. and I have talked about. We have two modes of research on our team. One is hypothesis confirmation, which means we have that target and we want to see whether we hit the target or not. It's kind of a one or a zero. It's right. not very exploratory. We also have a hypothesis generation mode that we go into when we don't know which question to ask, but we know the area in which to look. So that's more of an exploratory nature of analytics. And I think that leads to some of the flashes of insight that you're thinking of where, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't know this about recognition data, that this could be used for diversity and inclusion angle. But when we look at that by gender, for instance, and we start to see some differences, that leads us to then generate some hypotheses that we can then test against future data and really do that iterative research process. But it really is exploration and confirmation in, in tandem. Madison, I don't know if you have thoughts as well. Yeah, definitely. So there's a very vivid thing that we talk about on our team where we're going fishing sometimes, where we do have a hypothesis where we're going after a certain question that we're trying to answer, but you're fishing and you're expecting a salmon for example, right. and you pull up a flounder and it's a happy surprise. I mean, flounder is delicious too, right? But it might be a different audience that you serve the flounder to. So it's a way to be very curious. And when you find things that are surprising, you dig in and you say, who might care about this? Who in the business, who of our stakeholders should know this information? Where can it be valuable? What's the story that goes along with it? What do we expect that they do with it? All of those questions will lead to present the insight in a different way and to a different audience. And to, and correct me if I get this wrong, but to continue your fish metaphor, mm -hmm. figuring out how to serve the founder is part of the innovation process, right? Because totally. you, you might, that's how you develop new products, mm -hmm. potentially. You may yeah. decide, oh, there's no audience for a flounder, but. Exactly. Yeah. And even if there's no audience for the flounder, it's cool. I mean, right. so that's what drives us forward is curiosity and those happy surprises, really, that sometimes come forward out of research. So I'm sure if you look in our areas, you'll find fish mounted on the walls that, <laughs> yes. that nobody wanted, but <laughs> no, we yeah, find the, cool. The little frame data <laughs> points up. Now, Greg, you've worked with a lot of clients. And have you seen any type of trends across different industries and different companies like beyond Cisco? Yeah, you know, I think each company is in a different point in their journey towards analytics. Clearly, we have clients like Cisco that are very advanced and have the teams in place that can answer the really interesting questions. What we're seeing downstream from that for teams that maybe are just starting their analytics journey is more of a partnership model where they partner with folks who have teams in place and can almost do either a freelance or a consultative collaboration and leverage those resources to find those insights. So everyone's in a different point, but one of the neat things about analytics these days is the democratization. It's easier than ever to have access to resources, whether it's a vendor such as ourselves with the Work Human Analytics and Research Institute or other means. There's tons of people that have an interest in analytics and are willing to work for data, so to speak. So what is one way that HR as a profession can better leverage data? That's a great question. 
I'll take this one. So I think data literacy, data fluency, just understanding. Knowing what quants are. (laughs) Well, not necessarily. So understanding what is good data, what is bad data. That's something I'm very passionate about. I mean, being very critical in the way that we think about insights and things like that that we see, I think has to come with the HR profession. We are in this transition right now that is going away from more of the program management side to more of a consultant. So you need to go in and you need to understand the business context and how you can help support the business and the business leaders to make the right decisions using the data. So whether that's bringing in a data nerd with you, that's great. But knowing that data exists and that it can be helpful in having those conversations and driving the business towards the right direction, I think is super important. Yes, and I mean, most people attending this conference don't necessarily represent an organization as comprehensive as, say, Cisco. And many people listening to this podcast maybe don't work in an organization of that size with the kind of resources and all these data teams. So both of you, I'd ask Greg for you to shed some thoughts on this too. For an organization that's much smaller, maybe has the more limited budgets and less resources, fewer mm-hmm. data geeks with which to plug into, any advice and counsel, kind of 10,000-foot view counsel on how you can begin to leverage data for your own predictive analytics, for even for a smaller, less resourced organization? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that gets to the power of small data. Everyone likes to talk about big data and having millions upon millions of records mm-hmm. to analyze Oftentimes, there's a tremendous amount of insight in the small data for the small organizations. So along with small data, I would look for small wins. You know, simple correlations that you can run in Excel that would provide insight into helping you become a more data-driven company. So it's really a mindset and almost independent of the resources you have available. Uh, Certainly, the resources will grow as you prove the value of analytics. And I think that's been work human's journey, where we started with a small team and we have grown and seen the value of that kind of an investment from an analytics standpoint. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I think one of the main points is making sure that you have the data infrastructure built Mm -hmm. to hold all the data that you are collecting. Because a lot of companies, even though you're small, you have the opportunity to be collecting a lot of data. But making sure that an employee listening space, employee engagement space, making sure that you have good, valid measurements in place and you are using the right tools to measure sentiment, for example, I think is the first start and then the small wins. And then there is looking to external people. So looking at the external research or the larger companies that are doing this type of research where you can read about what they're finding. And there are parallels. There's lots of IO theory out there to read and you can apply the theory without having the data behind it. And then as you grow, hopefully you'll have the infrastructure in place to do people analytics in the future. Well, this is great, you guys. If there's any place that you go for like the latest stats in terms of like people analytics Mm -hmm. if you could share that that would be great like where can people go to nerd out if they just want to get to know some of the stuff oh my gosh there's so many resources you know i think with the rise of open source tools there are vast communities online any number of the massively open online classes that you can take offered by prestigious universities so you can learn from the best of the best in the comfort of your own living room that's often where i recommend people probably start with, but then we have our IO conferences that we can attend. Mm -hmm. There are a number of other professional associations. So what's the one that you go to that you went with Sarah Payne, uh, Mm -hmm. the David Rock 
spoke at? Neuroleadership Institute. Neuroleadership yep. Institute. For all of the theory that Madison was <laughs> discussing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And I think we both go to PSYOP almost every year. <laughs> yep. So. Well, the information's out there. Uh, whether you are a severe nerd geek here or <laughs> someone trying to figure out how, because, you know, there's still, I'm using another cliche, but there's still too many organizations collecting good data and not doing anything actionable and meaningful with it. And so that's probably more from a position of ignorance than deciding not to do it. They just don't know what's possible, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we were about out of time. Madison, should anyone need to connect with you and learn more about your work and Cisco, where do they go? Sure. So connect with me on LinkedIn, Madison Beard on LinkedIn. Happy to chat. All right. And Greg, how do people find you? Through the Work Human Analytics and Research Institute at workhuman.com, as well as on LinkedIn. All right. Greg Stevens, Work Human Research with the Work Human Research Institute and Madison Beard, lead data scientist and researcher with Cisco. Greg, Madison, it's great to have you. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank Thank you you so much. If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at Work Human Live in 2020, May 11th through the 14th in San Antonio. Visit workhuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2020. 